Empire of the Sun. Suns. Empire of the Suns. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Arizona Sports presents the Empire of the Suns podcast. Empire of the Suns. Hello there and welcome to the Empire of the Suns podcast. My name is Kellen Olson, joined as always by Kevin Zerman. The Phoenix Suns are in the NBA Finals, Kev. Uh, you know you can be louder than that in your hotel room in Los Angeles, but uh, <laughs> no, it's it's crazy because I mean I'm just I'm just trying to like process it, and I was telling my old Valley of the Suns friend Michael Schwartz, who was in town in Phoenix for Game Four, I was just like I I can't process it because like Suns fans and Suns reporters and people who are from Phoenix have watched that team with really good squads for like a decade almost and just struggle to make it. And it's just hard to conceptualize this team making it because it was so sudden and um, maybe it's jaded me, but I think it'll come to the front of my mind when we're in game one of the finals, but yeah, it, it, it's just crazy to me. The Suns are landing right now as we speak. Maybe that will get my mind going more. But um, what were your thoughts as far as just you're on the ground in L.A.? You were there for the postgame pressers. You you were kind of close to them, um, six feet at least. But what did you see just on the ground as far as vibes for them? Yeah, just that this is like a really, really special moment. And that's what I tried to articulate in what I wrote on the site. Um, this is like a hard thing to conceptualize and speak on from my perspective, because the, the thing people have to understand is how much work these people put in. Devin when he's in his insane setup in his house, physically training in the off season, like he's thinking about this moment and then having his body, not only ready to get to this moment, but to be ready for the four five, six, seven games after that to win a championship. This is what all of them mentally, physically prepare for and have worked for, for at least their NBA careers. And you could really say it's like a lifelong journey. And something Monty said was you just watch guys from afar get these opportunities and you're like, man, I've worked my butt off. Why am, why am I not there? Like in kind of being really honest and, and kind of admitting envy in a way that that's one of the quotes I included in the story. And that's the thing is so many guys work really hard and play this game at an extremely high level and never get the opportunity to do this. Phoenix saw Steve Nash go through that. They saw Charles Barkley only get one chance. And this is something that matters a whole lot for everyone on that team. And I was, I wasn't sure how to like treat it in terms of the series before the NBA finals, if they got to the NBA finals, but I kind of learned through hearing them talk and hearing the questions and, and their answers 
how much this means alone getting there. Obviously, for Chris, it's his first time. There's now a new answer to come now for who's the best player to have never made the finals before. He was the one, um, and now it's no longer him. Devin gets there when he's 24. He does it after a period where he flat out said uh, that he went through a lot of BS here, just kept working, and we never heard reports of him being unsettled or pressure mounting for change to come uh, before he wanted to leave because he was a young star in the league then, and he's an even bigger one now. And he's here, and he does it for a franchise who's only now been there uh, three times. And, yeah, it's – you never really remember who loses in the finals, right, Kevin? But I think from, like, a league-wide perspective, and you think of those teams, but making the finals is a really, really huge deal. And I think I learned that even more for myself after watching everyone kind of go through uh, what they did tonight. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting looking beyond this season as far as just so many of these guys taste it for the first time. Um, I think the cool part for you is you got to see Chris Paul's best half scoring ever in his career, and he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, all that stuff. Um, 31 points in a half just went bananas when it looked like the Clippers might make a run to get back into it down double digits. And he just ended them and he ended Pat Beverly. I don't know if he did anything. Um, And then he comes out in the post game with Rachel Nichols and he's like, yeah, I had an MRI on my wrist, which might explain his bad shooting numbers prior to tonight. But tonight he was 16 to 24 seven of eight from three. I mean, torn ligaments in his hand. He he said it himself. Yeah. I, it looked good, the shot, and he just decided to let it fly. Um, And and you could just tell he was in a not going to lose mode. And there are a bunch of stats out there about having, he had that same type of game against the nuggets, the last series. So, He's shown up big. I, I think the Suns got three really awesome performances we talked about in this series from individuals to kind of push them over the top. And, you know, Paul George and those guys kind of look like they had done all they could as far as even scheme. Um, I don't even know if they were that tired necessarily, but just scheme, Monty. I think Monty deserves a lot of credit for that game because it wasn't anything – earth shattering, but it was little stuff. Torrey Craig, he, he finally found that that's the best guy on Paul George. Cause no one else could do a good job on him. Um, the, the center rotation was a little changed up, um, with DA had a good game, a good response game. Um, what'd you see from that game and what are your, I guess, takeaways as far as, does it tell you anything about, this team, because I thought it, it showed again that I think Monty is sticking to his guns about what this team is, but he also just made little adjustments um, like Tori and getting book off the move that um, kind of show that it's like before this game in the series, it looked like he was just kind of doing the same thing. And then he pulls out the right things at the right time to get it done. 
Yeah, totally. I uh, in the game, I think what stood out to me was that it. I said this on the air with Bloom in, in the post game show that it, it would have been. It couldn't have been as satisfying for them to beat the Clippers if they beat them in a 91-90 game where it was just a rock fight again because that's not the way that they play. Their style of play is free-flowing, team-oriented, offensive basketball with pace and just really hard work and energy and effort and outworking plays all over the court. And that was this whole game. Uh, I long documented in a couple of my preview pieces and my recaps the last couple of games how they were they kept failing to score 30 points in a quarter. They scored 30 points in all four quarters uh, of today, tonight's game. 27 assists, only nine turnovers. They just played much more as a team and got back to exactly looking like the type of team they were. And it was um, – I didn't even go this route at all, but to go back to resiliency, bouncing back and all that kind of stuff, this was like the greatest bounce back of them all, obviously. But when you look at it stylistically, they were really, it felt like they fell deep into a hole of completely turning into a different team in ways in terms of the way that they were playing offensively for sure. And then you saw the mistakes defensively that they were making and for them to come back and just get back to exactly the way that they play uh, was pretty amazing. And something else I said on the air with Bloomer was that we talked about all off season. I brought up mainly Chris was the best player in the league last year in the clutch. It wasn't even close. The Thunder were incredible in clutch games because of him. And you've got him as a closer. And then you saw what book kind of turned himself into in the bubble playing competitive high level games. He basically closed out almost every single win that they had. It was him having the seven Oh nine run, whatever. And we were just talking about, and I was talking about a lot about how having those guys to close out games and how much that would matter um, for them. But I didn't think about it in ways like this, Kevin, where you're up seven in the late third quarter. And then suddenly one of those guys turns it on and boom, you're up 20 and the game's over. And that's what, that's what Chris did. He scored 14 of a six of, uh, the Suns' 16 points during a 16-3 run. He did that over three minutes and 49 seconds. And then after that, he kept on going. That's when the Patrick Beverly thing happened. <clears throat> and, yeah, it just it just comes around. The game for me just comes around to who they've been as a team all year and who their players have been all year. You look at the way Jay played. You look at the way Torrey Craig played. DeAndre, just growth moment again just learning from what he did wrong in game five and correcting it in game six, keep turning around and being ready for the ball to come to you and act like you're going to get the ball every time pretty much. And that's what we saw from him. Book was harassed by this defense, tested in a way he's never been tested before as an offensive player and scored 12 of his 22 points in the paint. And I like, I don't know what his career high is for points in the paint, but I'm guessing it's not really that high because of the mid-range and the threes that he takes. So for him to have that many in there and just how relentlessly he was attacking the basket were growth moments for him too. So I, I don't know. It just the game as a whole and those guys, the three young guys I mentioned, two young guys I mentioned specifically, and again, uh, Mikel Kevin was really struggling in that game. And then the second half, he made a couple of huge plays. So I think the, the whole formula just showed in that game for why they're in this position. Yeah, and the 
the bench contributions, it, if you look at the numbers and the minutes, it looked like a short bench. Um, obviously, Torrey Craig was at 31 minutes for just guarding Paul George, basically, but he was killing her, killing it on the glass. Um, Dario hit two threes that really kind of spooked, I thought, Ty Lu from even throwing the ball to DeMarcus Cousins and keeping him in there or anything. And then I, I thought campaign's first half was huge as far as um, I believe it was 15 to 12 splits for Chris Paul minutes wise and campaign. And Chris still played 35 minutes, played a lot in that second half, but had fresh legs. But I thought campaign in the first half, I think he had like seven points and six assists at halftime. He only played 16 minutes, but he was keeping things humming, making the right passes, that kind of thing. So I just, yeah, I'll echo you on the just that's their formula, moving the ball side to side, not getting so, you know, Chris Paul and Book trying to get downhill out of, you know, bringing the ball up the court, which just is stagnating everything. So, yeah, I mean, it was... I think the Patrick Beverly breaking thing beyond what it says about Patrick Beverly, it says that the Suns did break him. I mean, and the Clippers and they, they had quotes that said that, but that was just when you have like signature moments, that was the, okay, it's done. We're done here. We're going back to Phoenix and we're not playing for a little bit. Yeah. And and to the Clippers point in terms of where they're at as a series, I feel like it was, um, it was right, but also unfair that it ended for them on a night where Paul George only had 21, and I believe Reggie was at 13. Um, I'll go double check yeah. right now. I believe it was 13. Yeah, 4 of 12 shooting for him. I think the number was like nine, like 17 straight games or something where Jackson scored at least 19 points or 13 straight or something like that. Like he was just getting to that 20 margin or just about almost every game. And I just kept saying over and over again on here and in a bunch of places, like, relying on those two as your two primary options offensively in the Western Conference Finals, at some point that's got to be at a point where it isn't reliable anymore and, and it comes back to bite you. It, not in a way to bite them, Kevin, because they're missing Kawhi Leonard and they built that team a specific way, obviously, with him in mind. But it, it did in this game and it, and it feels unfair to them just because of how excellent both of them were in this series overall, but also just like course corrected to kind of what we expected uh, by the end of the series. I don't really have any other big picture things, Kevin. Um, I'm still processing it very much so, so I'll be able be better to talk about it in a couple of days. I think seeing the T-shirts and the hats on, um, I tried my best in the words to kind of convey that feeling uh, for the guys. But do you want to talk uh, big picture looking ahead? I, I don't even know if we should go anywhere with Chris's hand. Um, I, I wasn't able to ask, unfortunately about his hand we'll have to wait and see in terms of uh, updates in the coming days but obviously that was like a huge piece of news that came out um he looked great with it messed up so we'll we'll have to see on that uh what do you what are your early thoughts in terms of looking at the game five of the eastern conference finals tomorrow knowing that it's the sun's competition i mean unfortunately we're on injury watch right i mean the hawks i haven't seen the afternoon things, I guess, because I'm lazy on Trey Young, but he and Capella are questionable, I believe. Um, and Giannis, 
is probably not if I'm just going out there and guessing based on what that looked like and how lucky they are that that wasn't a serious injury beyond a hyperextension. But I, I mean, for his sake, I hope he doesn't play um, because I know I'm just thinking of bad injury situations where like Katie a couple of years ago with this calf that led to the Achilles and all that kind of stuff. So I think those teams, it's just an injury watch situation. The Hawks are playing really well. Um, but uh, it's too early to go into that with that series knotted up, I think. And we have time. We will touch on that, I believe. Yeah, and I think the the time is going to be a big deal for them. It's really important. Uh, Chris can figure out whatever the heck it is with his hand, I guess. And I'm sure it feels like, I, I don't know, um, I guess a, a better way to close it in terms of previewing and looking ahead, Kevin, do you like where you've seen the team physically? I, I feel like I haven't seen the, this is a team that's about to enter the NBA finals level of exhaustion that you're maybe used to seeing. And I think that's because they've had, this was their most grueling series of the three by far. Yeah. It, it pays when you have a decent bench and it pays off when like we look at the starters minutes and they've been pretty high and probably as high as anyone else's, but just the Denver series was huge. Um, Honestly, Chris Paul having COVID and the shoulder thing where his minutes were restricted, that's probably helped his legs at least where he's not just getting run down, run down, run down. And this is another break where they just got ahead, start on that series. And I, I think every, all the complaints about the schedule making or whatever, um, they're going to benefit because they've taken care of business relatively well and, you know, killed off the Denver Nuggets series. And this one maybe won a game long, but hey, they're in a good spot. Good spot indeed, the NBA Finals. Um, I just got used to saying the Western Conference Finals without feeling weird, and it feels weird to say NBA Finals. Maybe we'll get there by like game three or four instead, uh, talking to myself, I guess. Well, before we go, what were you doing? Do you remember the 1993 NBA Finals, Kellen? I was three years old. Um, If you see photos of the Paxson shot, where it's facing the basket, you can actually see my dad in the photo. I can point to him for you. <laughs> um, I went to games as like a, as a kid when I was a, when they were in the Coliseum. So um, I don't have memories of it, but I was three years old. Yeah, I was four. So mm-hmm. I had I was a fan of their point guard. Um, not a fan anymore for reasons, but. That's where I started. That's like where I, I remember like learning what basketball was as a four year old. So it probably had something to do with that. Yeah. Uh, my timing was more of memories watching the 97 U of A team. <laughs> that was like seven when you're starting to remember stuff. But yeah. Um, all right. We'll be back next time to preview the NBA finals, Kevin. I guess, I, guess so. I, I guess that's what we're doing. Um, it's it's now Thursday, so we, we don't really know when that'll be. I believe it is either Tuesday or Thursday, if if I am correct. It's If the series wraps up in five or six, it's on Tuesday, game one in Phoenix, and then 
If not, I believe game one is on Thursday in Phoenix. Either way, in Phoenix, by the way, uh, they hold up home court, which is huge. Yes. So we'll be we'll be watching that Eastern Conference Finals very closely and uh, be joining you guys the next time we feel the need. But uh, everyone, uh, be safe. And uh, I, I feel like congratulations is the wrong word, but just uh, know that uh, for me personally, and I'm sure Kevin's the same way, it uh, feels great for a lot of Suns fans who sat through a whole lot of stuff to – uh, get moments like this in Arizona sports fans in general. We All may right. be jaded, but yes, it, it's good to watch good basketball and keep watching good basketball. Don't take it for granted. Got a couple more weeks of it left, Kevin, and we'll be here to talk about it. Talk to you guys then.